There we go. All right. Welcome back to Shellyville. Everyone, my name is Michelle Clear. I'm a licensed professional counselor, and Shellyville is my safe place to talk about all things mental health related. Now, last week, we talked a little bit about trauma and something that happened to me, and I just wanted everyone to know that things are better. And I actually think talking about it and just expressing the 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 whole situation just really made me feel better. So it's even proven to myself why talk therapy is such a valid thing that we need. And I have my lovely co-host. <laughs> Am I calling you co-host now? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay, I'm calling Justin my co-host. That title. Oh, yes, you have <laughs> definitely earned that title. Well, before our session started, we had a little talk about coping mechanisms and what it's like when the things that we're doing just are not effective anymore. Now, this isn't just a topic about attention deficit or handling stress or how how to discipline kids. It's about knowing that when our efforts aren't just in our best interest anymore, right? It's like knowing that something that we're doing is kind of causing us even more stress. So coping mechanisms are basically their strategies that we've created to help us deal with unpleasant emotions. Now, that could be anything, right? What's a coping skill? A coping skill is something that you've learned that helps you manage a stress. And the definition of stress is anything that causes excessive amount of worry, anxiety, issues with, you know, worry about it, um, feeling overwhelmed, feeling kind of knocked down by it doesn't necessarily lead to like full-blown anxiety or necessarily full-blown depression either. So when you think of stress, Justin, what are some of the thoughts that come up in your mind? Um, I mean, it could come it can come from a number of different things. Um, I think that sometimes um everybody has a different tolerance for it, right? I mm-hmm. feel like some people operate well uh, under stress. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like <laughs> some are programmed for stress, right? right. Firefighters, police officer, officers, like, right. What is the traffic controller guys? Oh, air traffic controllers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's an uh, element of <laughs> adrenaline. I would say that kind of comes with that. Mm-hmm. I think that when I think of stress, I think of, I, I almost see it more as pressure okay. um, because Pressure to do well, pressure to get something done or? I feel like stress is caused by things that you can't control. But if you can find a way to put it in context of things that you can't control, it's just pressure. And I think Mm -hmm. pressure a lot of times is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's I think that's valid, right? Because one day you can have the same expectations that you had the day before. But then all of a sudden we were talking about how that layers on. Mm -hmm. Let's say now I've got to do a couple other things that I didn't expect or or more disappointments are being added on or, mm-hmm. or more pressure or I feel like I got to get it done at a faster pace. Something in our environment changes and our coping mechanisms either help us adjust to it or kind of give us faulty responses. So we'll go over the negatives first, right? Let's go. I always like to do the negatives, but then we'll <laughs> go back to the positives. But here are some of the things that when we don't have good coping mechanisms or the ones that we're using are actually causing us more damage. And that is like excessive worry. It's also when we avoid. Now, I have clients that have kind of um, 
they have this communication skill, which is not a good one, where they literally shut down. When you stop communicating or you shut down or you avoid a topic, that is destructive behavior and communication. And that really does lead to poor, poor relationships. So I find that happens a lot in my couples therapy is that one of the partners shuts down during discipline or things that they don't like to hear or they feel like they're being critical or something is something is making them feel like they have to shut down. So that is an unhealthy coping mechanism. Also avoidance, blaming others, self-blame. Um, we talked about substance use. Anytime someone is using anger or violent behavior, that's not a good coping mechanism. When you work too much, you avoid people. When you really like pretend that your work schedule is more important than anybody else's, that's kind of a, a bad coping skill. <laughs> Impulsive spending, that's kind of my favorite. And then we've got over or under eating and excessive sleep. Can you think of any other that would maybe be a negative? Uh, substances. I don't know if you. Uh, yep. Maybe mentioned a little that. bit of substance okay. use. Yep. yep. Excessive amounts. This is mm -hmm. not just, I'm going to go have a beer at night. Mm -hmm. You know, this is excessive amounts. These are coping mechanisms that are almost making things worse because mm -hmm. that avoidance, that drinking too much, like that leads to other negative consequences. So it's kind of like when our coping skills become so destructive, they're part of the problem. They're mm -hmm. no longer helping you figure out how to handle the stress. They're making the stress worse. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were talking about like layering too. I think when you have layering of problems, it's like when the kids don't listen to you or you have car troubles and you didn't expect that or you have an excessive amount of something breaks or someone's coming to visit and you don't want them to visit. I mean, there's so many things that can add on to like we think is a basic good coping skill, but then all of a sudden we can't handle it. We can't handle the stress. So, I mean, for the most part, those are mild, but they become really destructive when they interfere with your relationships. So if you're struggling with substance abuse, it's now becomes other people's problems. When you have anger and violence, like I experienced last week, that person's anger became my problem. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. When you're not blaming the situation, but you're blaming yourself or you think you're bad or you think you're a horrible person, that's not effectively dealing with the stress anymore. You're now taking on another form of negative thinking. So all of it goes back to kind of how you internalize it because our internal dialogue is where some of these coping mechanisms come from. It's all programmed inside on how we handle stress. So. What are some things that you think that you've done that have been, that's helped you actually maintain your mental health during crazy times? Uh, for me, it's anything physical. Yep. Sometimes, you know, exercise. Oh my gosh, that's the number one, yeah. number one cure. Yeah, playing sports is mm -hmm. a big one for me. So what about like just going for a walk at lunchtime or when you get home from work, do you take time out? Right before you get home? No, and I probably should. But for me, I don't think 
just going for a walk would be enough to turn my brain off. I think okay. it has to be something pretty physically demanding. Okay. Well, they're saying that it doesn't have to be much, though. I think it depends on how much you need, right? Mm -hmm. But also, I think exercise de-escalates everybody. Mm -hmm. So if everyone's in a bad mood, they say throw on some music and <laughs> have a dance party. Mm -hmm. Like, there's ways to kind of, like, change the energy of the room, too. Of course, you can't really have a dance party everywhere, but, you know, <laughs> why not? Why not? But, I mean, I think some of that, like, that, that works. That does work. Another problem we have, though, is that if we don't control it, it grows. <laughs> if you cannot maintain the problem, it does gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. So feeling overwhelmed is something I hear a lot. I think that's the one comment that people come in with the most. I feel overwhelmed. And then they give me like this. We either call it the wearable or the grocery list. You know, where they just come in with this bucket load of all the negatives. Well, when you start picking them out one by one, they're not so bad. Mm -hmm. But it's when you throw them all in that pile. Oh, yeah. And that's why sometimes people feel better just after the first session, because they finally unloaded the wearable. Mm -hmm. They're like, I've given you everything. This is all the stuff I hate. Mm hmm. And then I got to be like, okay, what's the most important one in the bucket? You know, what really is the motivator that makes us change? Mm -hmm. What do you think it is? Um, enough's enough. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Getting to a tipping point. Maybe you are, I don't, I don't know. I guess I, I can say what it is for me. I'm sure it's different for everyone. But I think you're right. I think when people, even by the time you get to ask for help, you're past the point of needing help. <laughs> by yep. the time you ask for help, you needed help like three months ago. Because really that's, I mean, that's crazy how much we can endure. It's an insane amount of pain that we as human beings can carry. Because mm -hmm. it's just, it really does add up and it gets to be really excessive. Yep. But the number one reason why is because we are trying to get and reduce unpleasant emotions. The whole reason why we seek out help or get to that point is that we no longer can carry it. It's just too heavy of a burden. And we have to figure out a way to get back to feeling better. It's really kind of, it's just our basic needs. But learning how to let go of the whole list of everything is like, again, it's kind of what has to get done first. Knowing what has to be done first and what can you let go of. That's a personal thing, right? I can't tell somebody, okay, go home, go home and do this. And then everything else is going to fall into place. No, everyone else has to decide what's the most important thing they need to take care of. I am of the belief that you have to take care of relationships first. Stuff is stuff. Stuff will always be stuff. The garage will always need fixing. The, you know, the bathtub will always, whatever. The dishes will always be dirty. Like you have to look at how is this impacting my relationships? To me, that's where I've put the focus on first. That's just my, I don't know if that's my Italian. I don't know what that is, but that's where my focus is. So. What part of my my coping skills is hurting other people, right? What part of this is making me feel frustrated or not communicating well with other people? How do the people in my life feel about me handling my stress? 
Because when I mean, I grew up in a family with anger, right? We all had it. But it was like, your anger's worse than mine. I'm like, how is mine worse than yours? Like, it's really good to play the blame game, right? But no, we all have it. How do you express it? How do you go back and apologize to the people when you've hurt them? And it's all about understanding expectations, right? Like if we can just say, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) I didn't mean to do it that way. This is how I really meant to do it. So I think it's about communication, but really it's about the relationships because we know destructive, toxic coping mechanisms interfere with the quality of relationships. So the solution can be worse than the problem. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's causing more problems, especially if I'm if I'm blaming myself or I think everybody's out to get me and then all of a sudden I don't like the people in my life and all of a sudden I want to cut everybody out because they're not making me happy. Uh, are you sure it's their fault? <laughs> you know, like, where's that self-reflection? Where's that self figuring it out that, oh, wait a minute, I was being a jerk to everybody. Mm-hmm. I was the one pushing everyone away. Maybe it was okay that they, that this conflict existed. So again, it's like paying attention Sirens we got going on out there. <laughs> oh, there! Oh, there's nine one one. You should have told them there was a fire. <laughs> well, actually, that tell you about that. Yeah, I know. Active strategies, you know, but that's what I'm talking about. So, what are some coping skills that you think that are positive? Because those are all the negative ones. Mm-hmm. What are some good coping skills that you have kind of actually incorporated in your your life? So we talked about exercise already, so we'll leave that. Um, One of the things that I've, um, that I do, and this is the simplest thing, is focusing on your breathing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. If you if you if you take three deep breaths as as far in as you can go, and then just relax, let it out. That that does wonders for you physiologically. Yes, it does. it just it helps regulate your your heart rate, um, your nervous system. I don't know the exact science behind it, but You're, you just said it. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Okay. And it's funny that you would say that because that is the number one coping skill. That is the number one positive one. They say start with breathing, then exercise. Also, I think just taking a time out, like literally taking a time out and walking away from the situation sometimes. Even if it's even if you can't physically get up from the the spot, if you could just retrain your brain to look or look at something different just for a minute, you know. Um, but retraining the brain to kind of shut off temporarily is huge. But we have to kind of have that skill, right? Because I think sometimes with stress, when it feels like it's coming from so many different sources, we also have to put it in categories of what needs to be taken care of first. Obviously, breathing through it is the number one, exercising when you can get to it and trying to avoid making it worse. I mean, mm-hmm. that's also a big problem. But I, the biggest one I use, without a doubt, has got to be humor. Like, I am trying yep. to find something that's funny in this. And sometimes humor really does piss people off. It, it does. Is, it does. It does. But it's so, I can't, I would not be able to function without my humor. Mm-hmm. It is so deep part, deeply rooted into who I am. And I don't really know where humor came from as a defense mechanism for me. I just know that it's, it's my go-to. Mm-hmm. 
So even a, a defense mechanism that can irritate other people can still be good for you. Yeah. But I I do know I use that a lot. I also use a lot of um well hardiness. Like you asked me once what made me so strong and I said it was resiliency and faith. I also think that that's you pull from your inner strength. You pull from a place that you can rely on. So if that's your logic, if that's your problem-solving skills, if that's your ability to kind of see things and perspective, I pull from that too. But I also pull from my list writing and my journal writing and my friends and support. So there's a lot of different mechanisms that you can use that can pull you out of a stressful situation, but you got to know which ones work the most effectively. Because for me, I'm probably not using the exercise. Mm-hmm. but I'm going to use something else. I'm going to go somewhere else and do something that makes me feel good or gets me through that situation. I think one of the things though we talked about is the overwhelming when you have too much on your plate. I think that's a time issue. Well, one thing that I found that works for me is if you have a ton of little stuff that's starting to pile up, Make it to do, make a to do list mm-hmm. just and, and add pencil paper, physically write down everything that you can think of. Maybe if it's household stuff, walk around the house, mm-hmm. the clipboard, take inventory of what you've got to do. And then from that list, put it into, you know, separate it, but in categories with this is urgent, this needs to be addressed right away. And all the way down to if I don't get to this today, it's not the end of the world. Right. Um, I feel like I operate much better. I'm not a terribly organized person. So mm-hmm. that the the to-do list does not come out until it seems like things have unfolded into chaos. See, and so, imagine if you use the to-go list Im- more often. Imagine. Would you avoid chaos Probably. if you use the to-do list more often? I, I use the to-do list for my clients. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorites because I think sometimes even in relationships, we don't pay attention to what's valuable and what's important. If we're not, if we're not putting it on the to do. Oh, maybe I do need to invite my wife out to dinner. Maybe I do need to schedule date night. Maybe I do need to get a babysitter for this weekend. Like I used to get frustrated in my marriage because it was like, it never crossed his mind. Like, why do I have to do everything? That's a big complaint that I get in a lot of my marriages is that the woman will feel like the man just gets to go to work and come home mm-hmm. and they have to do all the other stuff. But before this session started, we talked about how the roles in your life have changed. And now that is something that's very different. And I think sometimes sitting down and talking to your partner about when roles change has a huge impact on how this is going to play out too. Mm-hmm. Because roles do, we get stuck. Mm-hmm. Just like these coping mechanisms are, these are automatic things that we're doing that we barely even think about. These things are intrusive. This is not something that we have planned ahead. I don't know what coping skill I'm going to use later on, mm-hmm. right? These are things that we've just learned along the way that we've come to and used. But when your roles change in your marriage, don't you think you have to have that conversation? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you guys have that conversation or are you still having that <sighs> conversation? It's an ongoing conversation <laughs> because right. we really, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think that we, 
I know I haven't, and I'm not sure Chloe has either found a good rhythm to be in on a day-to-day basis because a lot of times when like when I'm at home, I try not to work. Mm-hmm. But when she's at home a lot now, she's studying and doing homework and stuff. She still so, has to. Um, so that is also kind of. How do we find the balance? Right. For sure. Mm-hmm. So. One of the things that deals with the healthy and unhealthy coping mechanism is the balance in life. Because I do think sometimes we don't look at our life as time and time management. Mm-hmm. And man, if we could just make more time, be amazing. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. I'd probably find a way to waste it. <laughs> oh, I would too. <laughs> Without a doubt. Without, mm-hmm. I don't need any more scrolling time. <laughs> but we talked about that with the tension deficit, how our time just goes away. Like it's just, we lose, you lose aspects of time. Mm. When you feel like you have excessive amounts, there's either we either have the right amount of time, not enough time or too much time. Right. It's like, how do we balance that? But that's kind of what life is. It's about balancing all of that at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to have communication. Yeah. You know, I, I think the hardest thing right now we were talking earlier is that your kids are young, like raising children. And with their own identities, their own personalities, their own wishes, their own wants, they, I don't know how anybody survives because they're so independent and they're asking for what they want. And then you're asking them for what you want and they don't want to do what you want to do. Like parenting is tough job, Mm -hmm. tough job to get someone to do something that they literally don't want to do. It is it is a form of communication that takes a a lot of work mm-hmm. to get to the point where your kids want to do what you're asking them to do. Good luck, because I have a lot of parents out here, a lot of moms that suffer with their kids not cleaning up, not taking care of their own stuff, and then the host syndrome of oh well I'll just do it because I'm you know I got to get it done. You don't really got to get it done. Mm-hmm. We have to teach our kids how to how to put their shit away. Mm-hmm. Like I really feel like we as parents have to. I don't know if, if the expectation is that we have to be perfect, or we have to assume that everything is perfect. Are we taking away the ability for our kids to figure it out for themselves? Mm-hmm. I mean, I really wonder what kind of damage we're doing by having to be perfectionist all the time, mm-hmm. because. Who cares how you put the towels away? Who cares what that the kids put their clothes away? So what if they don't put it on a hanger? They put it, in, give them a clean basket and a dirty basket. Like, let them figure out where they want to put their clean clothes. But I have a lot of controlling, anxious parents because there's the sense that things have to be perfect all the time. And that is unrealistic. And I feel like, that is a big cause of stress in my life because one of the things that Flo and I throughout the years have struggled with is she is a very tidy person mm-hmm. and I am not. Mm-hmm. I just by nature, I'm a, you know, wake up in the morning, the pajama pants go on the floor in the bathroom because I know they'll be there when I want to put them on at night. Mm-hmm. And so like, so that has spilled over into, oh, the kids have made a mess. Now I feel personally responsible to take care of this because if she sees a mess, it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So. And is it? I mean, you know, the thing about messes is that 
Is it chaos and dirt? Or is it, like you said, this is where I put it. I don't know exactly what's going to be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like habits. But I mean, I guess that's the compromise we have in marriage is that what's comfortable for you can be very uncomfortable for somebody else. Right. And that's all through communication. Mm-hmm. Because we can like, okay, we're going to make the destinated corner. This is going to be Justin's corner. Mm-hmm. And you can do whatever you want over here. But the rest of the room is mine. Mm-hmm. And if your stuff is in my area, we're going to have a problem. Yeah, I mean, you negotiate. You start talking about things like that. Yeah, I think it's the, and I, and I can kind of understand this now, is that um, clutter can be mentally draining sometimes. Yes, it can. Oh, my so, gosh. Yes. And I think we talked about this earlier, but it's like all of this, like the the classic. I need to. I'm. I'm. I got to reorganize my office, and while, while I'm reorganizing my office, I realize that there's a picture that's crooked, and so I need to go and get a. You know, I got to rehang this, so I got to go get a screwdriver or a drill out of the out of my tool, um, my tool cabinet, and I go in there, and the thing's a mess, and then I I'm organizing that and while I'm organizing that I realize that there's something there that doesn't need to be there and I take that to the place that it's supposed to be and then I see the place that that's supposed to be and then <laughs> and six hours later right. that picture never gets hung exactly so <laughs> that is a very real thing I deal with oh and you are not alone you are not alone in that thought pattern I don't know what makes us easily go from one thing to the next but I think that that is either a form of just being mindful what's going on right here in the moment. You saw something, needed to address it in that moment. It's like, how do we click back through the, the to-do list, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not only did you, you know what you were doing, but you got distracted along the way and redirected, which is, can sometimes be a very natural and normal thing. It's, but if it's happening to you all the time, then it's become destructive, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do you re- how do you rearrange your life so that you can have moments like that, but that they're not creating chaos for somebody else? Mental chaos is when we have too much going on. It's like too many tabs are open, right? It's mm-hmm. like we're just got way too much input coming in and we're not letting any of it out. So I think when we don't let things out, we're not communicating. We're not letting people know what's going on in our brain. We're holding everything in tight. These are coping skills that are not effective either. Like we need to be able to communicate that, you know what? I'm really distracted today. Maybe I shouldn't be in charge of these three things. Maybe I need to ask for help. Like going back to asking for help or going back and asking for support. I think really just what you said too, getting on the same page with your partner about what is chaotic for her and what's calm for you is adjusting to how are these both so very different? Mm-hmm. You know, I was very fortunate that I had someone um, that had very similar thoughts and kind of looked at chaos the way I did. You know, like things were clean, but we used to have a hardwood floor and I just remember there'd be this one corner with dust bunnies and I would be like, oh, they would drive me insane. It was just something mental for me, right? And my ex-husband would like literally walk over the pile. Like, I didn't see it. 
Like, oh my God, I just saw you walk over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally just put your foot up over it. Yep. And he just never saw it. How you can see the same thing mm-hmm. is so funny because we would laugh about it and it would be like, okay, is it bothering you? I'll go fix it. But it's kind of like that communication of, uh, I see this problem. You see the problem, but you don't see it the same way I do. Mm-hmm. And his level of, he could deal with anything. He was so laid back. But I was so anal. I'm like, no, I got to clean and I can't just see it anymore. So, I mean, I think when you talk about your wife, I, I feel I can feel some of her like anxiety, like, wait a minute. No, I can't have it like this. I have mm-hmm. to have it a little bit better. I have to have it a little bit more cleaned up. But a little of that is normal and natural. And we have to work with our partners yep. when it's excessive amounts and it makes everybody uncomfortable because we're doing too much, right? It's kind of like, okay, I've worked all day. I've taken care of the kids. And now all of a sudden I've got to clean up, you know, six other people's messes. Right. That's when it becomes really excessive. And these coping skills are not going to get managed well. Mm-hmm. And your marriage is going to start to fall apart in tiny little ways because there's so much resentment that gets built up based off of how you just manage the chaos. So it is, our coping skills are really pretty important to our mental health and our relationships. That's what, that's why this is so important to talk about because we take this stuff for granted. We take how we process and think for granted. We don't realize that we actually have some control over it, that we actually can redirect or calm down or take a deep breath and really step back at our own life and look what needs to be repaired. Mm -hmm. But I think we get so comfortable in the chaos. Ever meet somebody that just constantly has something going on? Mm -hmm. And you just think, how are they functioning? Yeah, me. (laughs) That's me. How are you functioning? I don't know. (laughs) How are you making this Caffeine. (laughs) Again, is that that become an addiction? Oh, 100%. (laughs) Yeah. So, mm-hmm. are you making it work? Uh, not well. I think we. I've uh, just by this conversation, I've identified a couple things that I need to get back to. Okay. But um, but yeah. It's amazing how easy we can get off track in our own life. Yeah. It's so freaking easy. Mm-hmm. But it's usually someone else that tells us we have the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, so I love that you have the insight because it, it is the internal dialogue with yourself that mm-hmm. makes you determine whether or not you're going to make that change. Right. It's not, I mean, I don't, I think what gets people to therapy is other people are pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like your behavior is now interfering with me and I'm mad at you. Mm-hmm. And then they come in and they give me the grocery list of what they hate about each other. And it's like, it has nothing to do with the grocery list. Yeah. You know, it has everything to do with how did you make that person feel? How do you continue to make that person feel? Yep. Once we get through the grocery list, then I can get down to that. But mm-hmm. man, it's, <laughs> it's yeah, which was easy. wild to me because that is my story in a nutshell. And it it just did not compute that me leaving my pants on the floor mm-hmm. was telling my wife that I don't love her. Mm-hmm. Or that's how it was being received. Like, oh, I, absolutely. I did. It, it was the most like. It would be easier for you to explain to me that like aliens came and built the pyramids in Egypt. I would have an easier time believing that than 
my pants on the floor telling you that I don't love you. Mm -hmm. Like that just that Mm -hmm. concept was so foreign. Oh, I. Yeah. And I can see that. I can absolutely see that, which is amazing that you got it because so many times people can't see from another person's perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's really what marriage and relationships are about. Taking a step back and trying to see it from the other person's perspective. We can't think for other people. We can't internalize how they're looking at things. Our our perception is so individualized. Mm-hmm. We're so strong as individuals that we 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 might feel we have group think, but we really don't. Mm-hmm. We really, really don't. And so, I mean, taking the time to see it from your wife's perspective, that's what makes you have a healthy and loving relationship. It's not easy. And sometimes we forget about it. We forget that it takes a little bit of work and effort, but man, what, I mean, th- that was awesome. It's sad mm-hmm. though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In a way, it's like, wait, I'm not, I'm not hurting you. I don't want to hurt you. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't want to hurt you. Mm-hmm. I think also, I mean, we're not going to talk about it today, but one of the feedback that we got from one of our listeners was that they wanted me to uh, do an episode on intentions, what it's like to live an intentional life. Great one. I like that. So, I mean, I think that that would tie into this too, because your intention was never set to hurt her. Right. And so how do we live with an intentional life if we know our goal in life is not to go around hurting other people? But other people can get hurt by our behavior with or without our control or consent. Well, we judge others on their actions and we Mm -hmm. judge ourselves on our intentions. Mm -hmm. So that's where the communication part comes in. Mm -hmm. Like, well, that wasn't my intent. Or like I say something that could have been taken one of two ways and it upset somebody. And I was like, well, I meant it in the way that didn't upset you. How's that? (laughs) Like, and that's like such a shitty response, right? <laughs> no, that's not going to work for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like my, it's like my humor. It would drive my son, my son crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is it? Why? He's like, yeah. why are you laughing about that? Because I think it's freaking hilarious. And he gets so mad. And I'm like, dude, we're mm-hmm. never going to look at this the same. It's okay. Mom can laugh. Like I don't have to look at life the same way you do. I right. never will. Mm-hmm. I will never see things the way that you do. But I did really work. And I will be honest with, I worked really hard on managing my humor around my son because, man, if I didn't laugh, I was crying. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to cry all the time. Yeah. But I toned down my laughter for a while until I realized that it was really affecting my own mental health. Yeah. It's like, you know what? And here's a really good point about this is that, If someone really loves you and wants to be with you, they're going to understand some of the parts of you that Mm -hmm. they don't like, right? Because after a while, he realized I was trying too hard not to laugh Mm -hmm. and it was hurting me. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't, I'm like, dude, this is not, this is not mom being happy. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, you can go back to being yourself. (laughs) Like I see it because I just couldn't do it. Right. Well, and this is one thing I just thought of. It's like, when was the last time that you laughed so hard that you couldn't breathe? 
Because we've all had those before. Oh, I've had a couple of those. But like recently, even. I just I can't re- like I honestly can't remember like because you look back and some memories with mm-hmm. friends mm-hmm. and you guys are just like joking and and laughing and mm-hmm. just you know I can't I honestly can't remember the last time I had one of those. Okay, that is telling. Mm-hmm. You need to get back to your funny bone. Mm-hmm. You got to find some humor. Humor is so healing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That deep belly laugh when you just. Yeah. Laugh. The other day, I just, it's funny that you would say this. It was a TikTok on this little frog. And this frog was like screaming. I never, I couldn't stop laughing. Mm-hmm. I probably laughed. <laughs> I'm in my office by myself and I am cracking up so stupid stuff sometimes uh, silly little best. things make me laugh but having a good belly laugh is a sign of a healthy mind mm. and and you know just being able to communicate <laughs> which i can't right now <laughs> he had his siren on both ways he must really <laughs> want to get back to the to the firehouse because he just went they went one way down the road and then he's on his way back to the station it looks like so i hope i I don't know if they can hear that can they hear that probably not but all right i don't have anything else today (laughs) i'm so that's about all i got (laughs) so out of it oh man i love shellyville i am so grateful to you for this place to communicate and just have these fun conversations about Things that affect everybody. Yeah. Everybody's dealing with something. Mm -hmm. And my goal in life and my goal in Shellyville was to put out a positive message and and let people feel that no matter what you're going through, it's going to get better. Things will get, you'll find a way through it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that's with a good laugh. That sounds good. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening and tuning in. You can, um, if you have any questions or show ideas, please contact me at ShellyvillePod at gmail.com. Everybody have a great day. Thanks for listening.